0: Hello, and welcome to the Kosher Conversation, StarK media production. I'm your host, Hananya Jacobson, recording at Star-K Studios in Pikesville, Maryland. Before we get started, I'd like to tell you about our dial-in line at 410-816-9509. Give us a call. You could be featured on the show. Today, I have with me here an old friend, Rabbi Nassim Dubin. As you'll hear in the show, Rabbi Dubin is an extremely accomplished individual in the world of Kashrus. He runs the Food Service Division of Houston Kosher. He's developed online trainings that have taught hundreds of food service m- mashkichim worldwide, and he takes a part in representing many small conscious organizations to the executive committee of ACO, the Association of Kashris Organizations, which has been mentioned in past episodes. I'm proud to call him my friend, and I'm happy to have him on the show. Welcome, Rabbi Dubin.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for all the wonderful work you do. And uh the wonderful topics that you've been covering over time.
0: Like, yes, it's been a really it's been a really exciting project, and I'm happy to have you on board. Thank yeah. you. So you're a Brooklyn boy originally, right? Correct. Yes. So how did you get from Brooklyn to Houston? That's not the normal trajectory, as uh, most people know.
1: Yeah. Fair enough, question. It's becoming more normal, though. I yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I learned in you we learned in Shiba together. And um, then I came to Lakewood. That was fairly regular trajectory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in Lakewood, I focused primarily on halacha and more specifically on Yanni Kafras. So, you know, over time, you know, Baslachal Teruvus and Ha'atak and and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, I, I actually wrote a sefer, Ha'atzos al which is being typeset now. I wrote it while we were there while we were in Lakewood.
0: Well, yes, I know you sent it to, you sent a copy to Rev Heinemann. He's yeah. uh, commented favorably upon it yeah. In, yeah. in the meetings here at the Star K.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, then we had the opportunity to join the Lakewood title here
0: and I came here,
1: we, we joined the fellow.
0: Had you been thinking about going out of town in general? Was that like what you were looking to do or it just came up?
1: That's a good question. Um, definitely not in the beginning of You know, it was always, uh, you know, on a back burner as a possibility, but never, uh, you know, what once, you know, we were learning for a number of years, you know, and after about four or five years, you know, the this opportunity came up and looked very interesting. Houston is a, a uh, very much a growing, thriving, maturing community. I mean, the community has been around for a very long time, but our neighborhood specifically is very young and vibrant and it's, um, so I joined the club over there, and then the well, after I was here for about two years or so, the current administrator of the HKA, primarily for the food service, um, he was moving on. He was he had his, he was opening up his own cashless agency for industrial stuff, and he asked me to take over. So I guess the rest is history.
0: Okay, so we'll get into that history in a minute, but. Um, just, I want you to describe for those of us who haven't been to Houston what the scene is there, a little bit, Jew, Jewishly speaking. You know, I understand it's a thriving metropolis, but in the Jewish world, it's very much a, a small town or an out of town, at any rate.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, yeah, we're we're on the way to becoming an in town community. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a, a really a thriving community. our Hashem, we have many families moving in um, year after year, and. The definitely was a huge factor in transforming the community, you know, we have a you know we could have on a, you know, a regular night during the week, you know 60 70 people learning in this matters. Um, most people have started, you know, most people in our area there's different communities different areas different uh, within Houston i'm talking about primarily within the young Israel community. And it's it's very This it's a mostly younger community so there's a lot being built a lot being started, we just started Masifta um, just a few years ago. The girls' school just built a brand new building. Started Hatsala two years ago. Haverim started a few months ago.
0: Oh, wow. So it's really turning into full service.
1: Yeah. So it's really, Barak Hashem, very much a growing community.
0: Wow. That sounds amazing. You said that, after you were in Kailo for about two years, you were approached by the Houston Cashers Association to start heading up their food service. Had you been doing any cashless-related work until then? or Zero. I know, I, I remember a mutual friend of ours, Yankee Mel, told me one day, you know, Nussan went to Houston just two years ago, and now he's inside an oil tanker cashing it with a blowtorch. I don't know if that actually happened. but That didn't uh, happen, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be a little bit interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure the result of cashing an oil tank with a bl- <laughs> 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 But yeah,
0: yeah, that's... Uh, uh, so before you went into this, w- what did you expect before you went in? What did you think it would be like?
1: Um, I don't think I had enough time to think about what it would be like. Um, I think I was, you know, he was, re- he was moving on and I was starting and I was being trained in. So CRC was actually very helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. Eisenbach, Robert Katz, um, Deborah and others there, Whitney House. And, um, so I actually I went to CRC before I started. I went there for a couple of days and, you know, really went around from establishment to establishment and learned a tremendous amount there. Um, you know, and, and it was, uh, you know, and I, obviously I learned a lot from the, the person, Rabbi Grossman, Rabbi Jesse Grossman, who was leaving his position. Um, you know, obviously we learned a lot from him. But it was, you know, it was a learning experience, very much hands-on learning experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think I had enough time to process what I think it will be like and what I, <laughs> you know, predict it will be like, because it was really just being thrown into the deep water and uh, deep water. figuring out how to work, make it work. Yeah.
0: Because you, had a, you had, probably hadn't even been into an industrial kitchen before that point, right?
1: Probably not.
0: Correct. I guess we'll go straight from what it might have been like to what it was actually like. So tell me about that learning curve.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's there's a lot to learn. You got to learn it very quickly, um, mm-hmm. especially if you're taking over. Um, but you know there was obviously we had had a lot of support throughout the throughout the throughout the transition. It's you know small town cashless is 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 different in a lot of different ways than I guess big town cashless. And it, it has its unique challenges, its pros, its cons. That all plays a role here. So what I, primar- I primarily take care of is you know food service, catering, restaurants, bakeries, hotel events, chili cook-off, mm-hmm. which you can talk about <laughs> if you want. Um, that's a Texas event. But, yes. um, you know, so, um, so it's, you know, small-town casters is interesting in, in regards to the fact that you really, it's much more personal. You, you know... You know the establishment owners, you have a relationship with them. You know all the Mashkichim, you have a relationship with them. And it's it's just a a a bit of a different experience when you have versus a you know a large agency that's certifying many, many, many establishments with many different people working under them and people reporting to different people. You know, it's 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 a it's more of a camaraderie when things are going well, I guess you would say.
0: And what you mean by that is that these are also the people that you're going to see in shul and that you have kids in their class, kids' classes. It's very, it's much more intertwined than here where you hire a mashkiach, he lives on the other side of town, Davin's in a different, you know, and you only deal with him from a strictly business standpoint. Here, everything is very close together.
1: Right, right. So obviously when, you know, you know, as far as Meshqitim, that's not usually an issue. Mm-hmm. As far as owners, you know, you, we would like to think that, you know, if the relationship between the Hashgatah and the owners is always, you know, five-star and amazing. Everyone is, you know, best friends. Anyone in conference knows that sometimes it doesn't work out just like that. And when you have to, you know, put your foot down about something or or take a stand on something, you're still going to meet them in jewel mm-hmm. um, And you're still going to meet them if you're going out to eat with your wife. And you just stood up about something, and they're not very happy with you. They're still yeah. going to serve you when you sit down with your wife and kids, right? So, you know, it's 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 a little bit more intimate in a small town, but in a you know with its pros and cons, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you mentioned that you're working primarily in the food service space, right? So, especially especially in a small town, there's I think a lot more of a, a, should we say, a mandate to make sure that there is kosher food available for people than in you know when you have a larger scale city in New York, one more pizza shop here or there isn't gonna make or break it. Make it or break it for anybody except the pizza shop owner, I guess. Right, but over here, you really have a responsibility to your community to to make sure that these facilities are available and functioning.
1: I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, we get emails on a regular basis, you know, you know, why don't we make this Chinese restaurant kosher? Um, I think it's a great idea, and I'm sure they'd be very interested, an email that we get on a regular basis, you know, this <laughs> Chinese place or this place is it's all vegetarian. I'm telling you, i walked in, I looked into the kitchen, everything looks good. It's not going to be a big deal to make it kosher. You know, it's obviously with regards to that, our, our policy is number one is the restaurant needs to reach out to us, Right. So you got to show a little bit of interest there. And as much as we would like to have as many establishments kosher as possible, you know, just as an aside, it's not necessarily easier to make a vegetarian restaurant kosher than it is to make a, you know, other restaurants, because, you know, we, we had a vegetarian restaurant a while back. I mean, we're, we're just washing and washing and washing and washing vegetables. I mean, it's just an insane amount of vegetables. So, you know, it's, it's on the other hand, if you have a dairy restaurant that's, you know pizza and and sushi you know you got to figure out the bishokko and you got to figure out the you know all the other components but you don't necessarily have the same level of labor involved but either way the the we 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 have we have um, per capita i think for small town usa i think we have a very high per capita rate of restaurants so we have we have like i don't even know seven restaurants or so and there's two more you know coming on board soon which I was I can't talk about just yet but and you know, a bunch we have bakeries, bagel shops, and we even have pizza shop that's open on Matzah Shabbos now. So I think we've really made it in that regard. Okay. Oh wow! So um, you know, Mata Pesach, you can get your pizza. You know, I think that I think they were open this year. Yeah. So it's 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 that's definitely uh, it's it's it is our mandate absolutely. And and sometimes it's a little bit challenging because you have to you have to stay strong to your principles, where at the same time people are always get very excited. You know, especially when you're, you know, when we had situations where you have to pull ashkacha from different locations mm-hmm. and take away their hashgacha, there's always going to be a tremendous backlash. You know, if if you're in Baltimore and, you know, they take away the hashgacha from a restaurant or a bakery, you know, in, in the scheme of things, it's not the biggest deal, obviously for the owner and operator it is, but for this community, okay, you know, there are other options. You just have to get used to a new routine. You know, over here, every every restaurant and every bakery is fulfilling a specific need. And if you're taking that away, regardless of how valid the reason is, you're going to have a lot of angry community members, right? Who don't necessarily, you know, some people don't necessarily appreciate or don't necessarily know what's going on, you know? And um, that's always, that, that's a balance in a smaller town.
0: Do you work with any of the non-Jewish um chains over there what is it millions tom thumb
1: yeah that's pretty good yeah we have uh we have a well it's not a tom thumb but it's it's the same ownership same ownership as randall's so we have we we um we work with two supermarkets that have nice kosher sections that's really primarily most of the shopping is really in, in these two supermarkets so they they we work with them a lot. So in, in both of that But
0: there's no there's no kosher store there yet. Is there? So there
1: is there's a small a smaller or I would say a growing, you know, kosher market which I think, you know, over time will be as I'm very much Um but right now what it is really is two primary non-Jewish owned corporate entities mm-hmm. that have, you know, that work with us very much hand in hand to provide kosher. So we have Randalls and we have Hub out of Texas, you're not going to hear of it because they only operate in Texas and Mexico. You know, in both cases, like in Randall's and Hub, we have three mashkechen. You know, we have different kosher sections. Each one is a little bit different. But that's a lot of challenges, obviously, with setting up these establishments in the right way when you have a mixed environment, right? You're going to have, like, you know, we recently, Hub was set up recently. So that one I actually set up um, about, you know, two years ago or so. And you know, they're producing kosher meat and non-kosher meat, kosher fish and non-kosher fish, su- kosher sushi and non-kosher sushi, kosher deli and non-kosher deli, right? So you have a lot of this going on and setting up the systems where everything is going to be past And, you know, we never have fish being produced without a much gap and you have all these, all these things in place. It takes a lot of creativity. And I, you know, we have Some really interesting things. I mean, like, for example, in in HEB, we we were recently set up. We just did a walkthrough with another Ashkacha, and we were just showing them some some of these things that we set up. So, like, for example, with regards to Pasisral, so what we do is we have the oven set at 200 degrees, put on by the mashkiach, and then it maintains a minimum temperature at 200 degrees. Now, how do we monitor if it drops below the 200 degrees? So we actually worked with them to custom engineer with their engineer they're in-house engineers um, to custom to create this custom oven where if the temperature drops below 200 degrees or the oven goes off then the entire oven locks down and shuts off oh, and wow. the only way you can put that on is with a key um, you know so that's one you know one item but there's you know there's a lot of stuff like that where you know we have you know, all different locks and different systems that need to be put into place you know when you're when you're in a completely firm environment, it's a lot easier, you know. Everything is just kosher. It's that so you don't have these kind of challenges.
0: Okay, so this is really interesting. I want to go into the details here for a minute. Uh, if you don't mind sharing some of your professional secrets. Sure. But,
1: um, First of all, to start is none of this is secrets. Um, no, we 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 share this all the time, and you know, amongst each other. You know, not only me sharing, but me getting other people's information. You mm-hmm. know, you know, Baruch Hashem, I think, as you know already. <clears throat> as you know, you recognize the same way I do. You know, in the Kasher's world, Baruch Hashem, is a tremendous amount of collaboration. So, as much right. as technically speaking, Hashkafas are competitors, right? But the collaboration, I think, is is tremendous.
0: Anyone who's doing themselves isn't doing it. Isn't doing it. That's, that's correct. Okay, so l- let's talk about this for a minute. So, uh, HUB—what does that stand for, by the way?
1: So that's Howard Edward Butt, I believe. Was uh-huh. the the owner who started it like 120 years ago or so? I think they most people think it stands for here everything's better because that's their motto.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So you so this is the place to get food in town. Or, or, one, of the, or one one of the primary places. Well, let's, right. uh, so so let's look at that. So you you have do you have separate kosher kitchens in this facility? So have, or you right, have?
1: So we we'll have. It's hard to describe without seeing visually, but what we have is a. Um, like for example, the the meat department is a separate room which is locked. And there's actually it's it's locked obviously only Must has the code to the room. Obviously, every every single kosher area has cameras, uh, mm-hmm. which you know are extremely, extremely beneficial. I mean, I could talk for an hour about cameras, which we won't do. We we've not specifically in ATV, but in other places as well. You know, I have cameras for almost all of our establishments. Most of them are on my phone. And there's, we've learned a tremendous amount of information from cameras. I'll just say that.
0: Tell, okay. tell me about that. That sounds really interesting. Um, what have you learned from a camera?
1: Well, I mean, cameras tell us a lot. I mean, we've pulled Ashgacha based on cameras.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, there was there was a situation a little while back where we got tipped off about something that may have been going on when the Mashkiach, you know, wasn't in the kitchen. And... Our mashkiach actually, the mashkiach that was working there, was actually a Spanish-speaking individual. She had, you know, she was friendly with the people in the establishment and she she was able to give us a little bit of information about what was going on. At that point, we didn't need much more because I just went to the cameras and we saw exactly what was going on and we pulled the up immediately.
0: And this is something the mashkiach on her own wouldn't have caught?
1: So the mashkiach, it was something that was happening when the mashkiach was not in the kitchen. And uh-huh. it was being planned, you know, now it's, you know, it was, the truth is, is that in food service everywhere throughout the country, no matter how good, and this is something I tell people all the time, no matter how good your cashless is, right? So for example, in, in our meat restaurants, right, we have mushkiat tamidi, we have cameras, the mashkiah locks the kitchen, you know, at the end of the day, and the only one who has the key. Um, besides the mashkiah tamidi, I myself go there, um, I have another person that's going there to check. We have all kinds of, you know, checks and balances and whatever. With all that, with all that, if if there's somebody that wants to bring in non-kosher or do something wrong, um, nobody should fool themselves. They can There's no question because every Meshkiah goes to the bathroom and there's no hashgacha that's sitting and watching the cameras of every single establishment 24-7. So the consolation is that if anybody does it on a regular basis, they will get caught. You know you can get away with it once, maybe twice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, but it's not something that anyone will be able to do on a regular basis. Then that that's the idea of the checks and balances. Now, really, what it boils down to is trust, you know, and trust is so important. We don't have that, you're really missing everything. But with cameras in general, um, you know, we, we did have a situation actually a while back where somebody actually complained to me, a complained to me about verbal abuse that he had he was being verbally abused. Um, I said, okay, you know, give me the time and date. Tell me exactly when you tell me the time. I pulled up the camera, it had sound as well. Never happened, okay? There was a (laughs) conversation, you know, but in that case, it actually, it was beneficial for the owner as well. You know, that was something, that was a situation where, you know, it was beneficial for them. Um, We we use the cameras all the time. Cameras is probably the biggest upgrade in Kashris on a national scale. I would say cameras is probably one of the biggest upgrades. It's 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 unbelievable. You know, and and just the fact that they know that you're watching, you know, so even on a positive sense, you know, every once in a while, like I'll take a snippet of, you know, a video, even on a positive way, let's say, you know, if somebody's doing something right and send that snippet of video to a mash or to an owner or whatever it is and say, you know, thank you for doing this, you know, so so perfectly. Now obviously, yes. I'm
0: envisioning you as a spider right now sitting with your webs cast exactly. all over Houston.
1: <laughs> right. So that's that and that's the, the the idea here is the whole idea of Katras is set up as a myrtis, that people should be have a, an element of
0: nervousness
1: nervousness and not to do something wrong. Now I will say like I mentioned before, the bottom line is is that this trust is way 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 more important than any kind of system that you're going to have. All the cameras, all the muskegum, all the locking, all the tracking, all the everything, nothing compares to trust. But you still have to have that. You still have to have this piece also. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so let's go back to H E B. So so you have your your meat section where there the Mashkiach is the only one with the key.
1: So we'll have, for example, we'll have other people working in the meat, you know, cutting the meat. Mm-hmm. But the mashkiach is the only one that has, you know, and then also if the door is left open, you know, for if it's left open for any length of time, let's say, for example, you know, the mashkiach walks out and they're cutting meat in there, the door's still locked, but for whatever reason, the door gets propped open, even for a very short amount of time, there's this massive alarm that starts ringing, um, you know, so it's 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 pretty, you know, it's a, it works mm-hmm. pretty well.
0: What other sections did you say you had there? You said you had a fish section? So we
1: have, you know, fish, sushi. Um, so there too, we have, it's not a, um, it's, it's sort of a dedicated area with, within the general fish area, but it's there, since we didn't get our own room for that, so we have Obviously, everything is under lock and key, and everything is labeled. Um, Every single piece of equipment, in general, throughout the store, there's not a single piece of equipment that's being used for kosher that has a similar kind of piece of equipment being used for non-kosher. So, for example, Mm -hmm. in the fish department, all the knives are white. Our knives will be blue. Um, You know, if it within the you know, whatever kind of equipment there is, everything is significantly different than its non-kosher counterpart. Now, they wouldn't really get mixed really at all, but even theoretically, you see right away from a mile away. So with, within the fish area, since we can't have our own room, so that's why we were, we end up having three mashkiachim because we have to have someone when they're doing the fish. The mashkiach actually is the one who does the fish. Uh-huh. They actually, you know, but even if they wouldn't, they would be there. You know, they would be the one they would be watching. So it's, um, that's the fish, the sushi, then we have deli, bakery. So there's actually, over there, they have two bakeries. They have a kosher bakery and a non-kosher bakery. Um, and there, there too, it's a we have to set it up where there is not a single item that's being produced. Similar items being produced in kosher and non-kosher. So, for example, if muffins are being made in the kosher, then there's no muffins being made in the non-kosher. Oh wow! Um, so, and if there's cookies being right, so everything there's no you're not going to be able to get chocolate chip cookies that are kosher and chocolate chip cookies that are not kosher.
0: How'd you pull that off?
1: So this was you know it was. A, it was Baruch Hashem, they were they were a real pleasure to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing which I think was amazing was we actually, so I have written protocols for all their, all the different departments there. And what they did is they took those protocols, and they inserted that into their and in their own SOPs, right?
0: So,
1: which means that now, our kosher protocols are actually part of their protocols, which means that if an employee. First of all, employees get trained in kosher because it's part of HEB protocol. But if an employee actually does violates a protocol, so they're not violating kosher protocol, they're violating an HEB protocol, and they're going to be written up. And if they do this, you know, two, three times, whatever it is, they're going to be fired. Or if they do something mm-hmm. serious, they'll be fired immediately. You know, uh, just
0: just like if they left meat on the counter the whole night or something.
1: Exactly right. So we did have a situation where there was, you know, some kind of issue. Um, with you know a certain employee, whatever it was, and um, and they they were actually they took a stronger position than we would have. Um, they fired him immediately. Um, and from our position, we would have been like, you know, maybe you know, it wasn't it wasn't a non kosher, it wasn't something non kosher. It was a violation of policy, but it wasn't something which was non kosher. But it was, a, it was it was it was it was a you know a knowing violation of policy. Uh-huh. The guy was fired immediately, and. And I was like, you know, maybe, you know, we give another chance, you know, nothing to talk about. Like this, you know, Rabbi, don't get involved with our- Your end of it. You know, this is our end. You know, this is H-E-B policy. They're violating H-E-B policy and that's it, you know. So I would say that's one of the biggest breakthroughs that we had there was the fact that we were able to get the protocols actually into their system, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which means that not only am I watching over them, not only am I watching over them, but they themselves are watching over them. So internally, the internal managers, if, if there's a kosher violation, they're going to be the ones to call it out also. So it's, 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 you know, that was huge also.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Amazing.
1: It was a lot of fun setting that one up.
0: Let me ask you this about that. The, is there also like kosher aisle, not in the food service part of it, but in, is there like a, pro, a kosher yeah. section there? And Great. is that vetted by the no. by Houston no. kosher? No,
1: no, no, no. That's too complicated, Um, especially because, you know, it's um, so in in none of our places do we have, you know, this that's a really a a, um, that's like an in town luxury, you know, because it's
0: not, I don't know about in town, it doesn't exist in Baltimore either. You know, we only did the food service, not not the, I mean,
1: it's, it's, you know, places that have the, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility because you know, when they're stocking shelves, you would really have to have another full-time SDF, literally like checking in every single product because very often, you know, the supplier doesn't have a product to send in a different one or whatever, you know? And and the truth is that anyone who's out of town knows when you walk into a store like ATB or Randall's or or Walmart or anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, you need to look for Ashgacha and you need to check. Like, it's not like you just walk up and down the aisles and just grab things off the shelf, right? right. people Absolutely. know. You know, my kids know they pick up, a, you know, a candy. They're not going to touch a candy even if you gave it to them. <laughs> they're <laughs> not. Gonna, they're going to look at it and check for a azgacha. Right. They're right. not going to, you know, they don't trust anybody on that. They're so used to understanding, you know, if they go anywhere, you know, that's that's part of the chinuch out of town. You know, like, you got to check everything.
0: You, know? you have to take responsibility for your Judaism.
1: That's exactly right. Instead of just following along the flow. But there are benefits to that as well. But.
0: Okay, so, that is, so that's the supermarkets. You also said you do a lot of um, restaurants in town and uh, hotel events.
1: Yeah, so the hotel events, you know what's interesting here is, I, I don't know if this is something which is consistent in other places, but most of the events that we do actually in hotel events are actually secular organizations where more than 95% of the attendees probably don't even keep kosher. Really? That's the majority of the events we do. Really? Yeah.
0: Like for what?
1: So, for example, like the Holocaust Museum, um, FIDF, um, you know, Federation stuff, you know, all this kind of, all these organizations.
0: That they're Jewishly inclined.
1: They're Jewish, right? Different. They're associated with different Jewish causes. But the way it's been established, and I think the credit to this goes to uh, you know, a rabbi that was here a while back, Rabbi Radinsky, who passed away a few years ago.
0: Um, he gave me a book for my wedding. One of, his, one of his collected Torah thoughts, yes.
1: Yeah. very nice, Yeah, I actually never met him, but he, um, so one, one. To, I think, I believe this is to his credit, where he established that every single kosher function, public kosher function, should be kosher certified. Now you have to mm-hmm. keep in mind, like I mentioned before, this is the beauty of small town Kashrus. We're pretty much the only show in town, right? So if somebody's kosher, they're under us. And if they're not kosher, they're not kosher. It's not like, oh, we're sort of kosher. You know, we're, we're under the lower level of We're under this. Hash- Either you're kosher or you're not kosher. Like mm-hmm. we're going to produce the event. If somebody's doing an event, you know, we're doing a, a, you know, a wedding, let's say for, you know, from family. And, you know, we're doing a Holocaust event where the vast majority are not, to, you know, many of them are not even Jewish the standards are going to be the same, right? Because that's our system. So as far as somebody coming to the event, if they see a little card on every table that says Kosher certified with the MSPF signature, it's it's Kosher certified. I mean, it's the same, it's going to be the same policy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so we don't do that much hotel events. You know, we probably have, I don't know, maybe, you know, 20 throughout the year, but some of them are huge. I mean, we could have, you know, events with 1,800 people, you know, things like that. Huge in our standards. I don't know what's yeah, the- on the East Coast, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot and very often, you know, with celebrities and different things like that, and they don't necessarily appreciate that they're eating kosher, but you know, the food is like we it's just as good. Um and um, you know, the quality is the same. Mm. And and as far as restaurants
0: Let me just ask you about that. Do you have different standards like Mahadran events and standard events? No, no,
1: no, 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 no. So I mean with regards to I, I think the vast, vast majority of our hotel events are not probably more than 95% of our events are, are, are actually secular. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think it would be fair to say 95%, 90, 90, 95%, you know, but we don't have, you know, it's, it's really pretty much the same standard, mm-hmm. uh, you know, across the board, like there's no real, you know, I mean, obviously if somebody, if somebody's if we're doing an event, you know, like Tora or at a conference here, you know, so we sat down with them. You know, do you want pasuysiral? Do you, you know, obviously they can want pasuysiral, challavisiral. You know, fish without Anisakis, uh, You know, and What kind of chsedushritah? Only this brand, not that brand. You know, so obviously we could, you know, we'll cater to that. You know, based on a person's specific mm-hmm. request. But, you know, the Holocaust Memorial, yeah, Holocaust Museum. You know, they're not asking for bet yourself meat. You know what I mean? It's kosher right. uh, <laughs> You know,
0: right? <laughs> you know? I get that.
1: Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much the same. Obviously, one thing which is, you, you, you know, mentioned before, the chili cook-off, that's actually a fascinating function. Um,
0: okay, let's go to that.
1: Um, so that that's interesting um, because we have, I don't know how many teams, maybe 30 teams, and it's a, in a massive parking lot. Um, and a very high percentage of the people on those teams are not, are not religious, don't keep kosher, not Jewish. You know, I mean, most of them are Jewish. But, you know, Fish. you can have a team. Right. Right. Um, and you can have people on a team where it's a mix, potentially, you know, where, mm-hmm. you know, let's say, for example, you have, um, you know, it's different. You know, each each team is usually an organization. Right. So you'll have different organizations in town and different companies. You know, they'll sponsor a team and they'll have different people working there. So doing that on a kosher scale, that's fine. Um, I'll say that, you know, that's that's fine. But we have, we've we've. Over time, it's it's developed into a very good system.
0: How how do you manage that?
1: The, yeah, it's fine. with so, the secret
0: ingredient? I'm sure they all have secret ingredients too. Oh, they right? all have
1: secret ingredients, yeah, but you know, then that's a secret. So um, so we the system is actually pretty simple. Basically, every all the ingredients have to be brought in, they're brought to a drop-off location. Like I think it, you know, I think they have one one drop-off is two weeks before, or three weeks before, whatever it is. We have two different drop-off times. And every single ingredient that you plan on using needs to be dropped off. That that's number one. We have we have there who checks in everybody's box after their box is approved. Of course, after throwing out a few items, um, then that box is sealed, put into you know it's put into the room, put into storage, whatever until the event. Now, as far as vegetables, we have we have somebody here who who one one um, one of the store the, the one of our stores does pre-check vegetables. Um, they have a staff, you know, they do an enormous volume, you know, for our community. We don't get the luck. We don't have the luxury of positive and Bodik and all the other brands. Mm-hmm. So, um, they do this, they, they, they sell pre-checked stuff. So we have an ordering list and they can order in advance. You know, they want their cilantro or whatever other ingredients they want. And everything gets delivered again, the day of the event. Then all the equipment, they're not allowed to bring any equipment no knives, no anything. We we provide, I mean, not we, but the, the chili cook-off organization. It's an you know, independent organization, but it's certified by us. So what we have is we have a dedicated storage unit that we have the key, only we have the key, and it has basically a set of equipment for every single team that's dedicated for that, for that team with a burner and everything. Um, so everybody, before they come, every team is set up with whatever they'll need you know they need a knife and whatever you know they they have and they have you know all the all the equipment part of it is also from a competitive standpoint everybody should have the same equipment they don't want anyone you know having an advantage because he had a much better peeler you know that would be terrible yeah (laughs) you know so um you know and then and then we have we staff it with like i don't know 12 mashkichem or something like that we're just Mushkeum go around, they they have to start at the same time. So the fire marshal comes and inspects every single connection of all the propane burners. And then the our mashkichim, you know, follows the fire marshal and, you know, lights each one. And then we have mashkichem set up. I mean, it's like called mushkechem or so that are set up throughout the event, you know, different places that are available to relight and make sure that nothing gets smuggled in and so on and so forth.
0: Mm-hmm. So Sounds it's
1: pretty exciting. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's a big community event. And, um, you know, people get really into the competition. So, But the kosher part is, uh, I feel pretty mm-hmm. confident about
0: So, So do you ever have any like real disasters happen there?
1: No, never, never. never.
0: It always, it always <laughs> goes smoothly.
1: Free service, cashless equals disasters. <laughs> <laughs> and I assure you that anyone else that you'll interview or speak to will tell you the same thing. Now, most of the disasters don't make it to the public because usually we deal with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, if we need to do a recall, we have to do that. But I actually, uh, we just had a story where we had a hotel event um, that we were doing. And um, I don't believe it was also, you know, a secular event, but either way, it was, they were, they ordered a, a certain kind of fish, very expensive fish, for whatever reason, normally, the way the fish is supposed to come, it's supposed to come with each fillet has a Piece of skin on it, get patch with with scales. So we and the mushkiya checks checks them to make sure it's good. For whatever reason, the supplier didn't send it that way, and the mushkiya calls me from the event that we have four thousand dollars worth of fish for the event tomorrow that was ordered well in advance because it's not fish that you can get on you know wherever you want, and it doesn't have fins scales doesn't have a skin on it no skin patch nothing no cool. way. you know yeah so i mean
0: so so what do you do
1: long story short it's it's really an open shot you know um you know we explore trying to think if there's any wiggle room even though we knew there wasn't um but mm-hmm. you know it is what it is i mean it's fish needs seem on him and they went. They went to the. I would not to the trash. I mean, I don't know what they did with it. But you know, obviously, it wasn't used. But then we had to figure out how to get hold of, you know, enough. kosher fish for them. Enough kosher fish of that variety. Getting it delivered on time for the event, which was happening tomorrow. Right? Mm-hmm. This, right. This fish was ordered well in advance, and it came from. They shipped it from Dallas. It was, it was a big crisis. And I will say that, if you want to work on your year go into food service, kashrus. <laughs> That's that's a a good place to uh, exercise your yerushalmayim. You know, we ha- we had an event a while back where we were doing a hotel event, and um, so also in by us the hotel events we produce in the hotel. So it's not like it's made by a caterer and a commissary and then brought in. So it's made in the hotel. I was looking; they were they were about to serve the main, and I noticed. In part of the kitchen, which is not really the, the production area, but it, it was it was serving steak with a wine sauce. Okay? okay. And in the corner on a table somewhere, I see a half-open, a, a opened, half-used bottle of non-kosher wine. Ouch. Okay. First thing that went through my mind is, okay, probably what happened was the mashkiach had turned his head for whatever... And the wine that they used for the wine sauce was non-kosher wine, which means that all the food that already has the wine sauce that's ready to go out to a thousand people or so that have no appreciation for kosher is not kosher. So therefore, I will have to go up to the podium and tell everyone you are not having your dinner tonight and we don't have anything else to offer you other than bread. Not fun. Not fun, right? Okay, not fun. Okay, that was my assumption at that point. I'm like thinking to myself, okay, you know, retiring tomorrow, uh, (laughs) looking for a new occupation, right? So anyways, I I called over the mushkiak. I'm like... Did you see them make the wine sauce he's like yeah i opened the bottles i'm like what wine did they use like baron erzog i'm like so so you saw the wine sauce being made from beginning to end and you saw them using kosher wine he's like yeah it's like okay (laughs) it turns out that the liquor room was off the kitchen okay and it was a bottle that somehow that came out of the non coacher liquor room, which was the door was closed. But for whatever reason, somebody had taken out a half a bottle and put it on the counter and it was nothing more than that. But it was a test at that point. Like I was thinking to myself, like just if you want to walk yourself through anxiety and mm-hmm. try to imagine, and I think, it's, I think it's a good exercise for anyone. Try to imagine the situation, okay? Where you're the person in charge, okay? You have a thousand people. They're all waiting for the main course. They already know what the menu is, they usually print it, steak with wine sauce, side dishes with the sauce all over it, okay? You're coming out, you just came to the conclusion that that's not kosher, okay? What are you going to do now? Are you going to sort of make believe and run away? Are you going to try to find some hector that doesn't exist? Or are you going to walk up to the podium and a step, make an announcement to people that have no appreciation for kosher that your main dish is canceled for tonight, and I'm sorry that you paid $800 to come tonight. I'm sorry that we have nothing else to offer you to eat we don't have any other kosher food um but enjoy your dessert <laughs> okay wow. i mean it, Baruch Hashem, i didn't have to do that but it was it was i was walking myself already through it i was like walking myself do it like how am i gonna get up there and say that like it was it was uh one of the most uh, highest yes yes one of the most harrowing experiences i would say
0: oh wow <laughs> So, we were talking earlier um, about what 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 doing kas was actually like on you know on the floor on the ground ma- making sure that events and uh, stores and the, you know you're doing food service kas, making sure that everything's kosher you know how how has your what have you learned about that? How has that changed for you over time?
1: Yeah, so I mean a, a story that comes to mind um, you know I remember when we were doing a hotel event. Um, and, you know, we were on top of the chef and, you know, we had, I was there and we the were there and we were like, you know, watching the event and like, at some point, like we jumped on them about something and, you know, I'm like, you know, you can't do that, whatever. Um, and at that time, the executive steward, who is, who is helping out at, he, he turns to me, he's like, rabbi, I don't get it. He's like, we're. You're, you're, you're setting yourself up as if you're opposed to me, as if I'm trying to not keep kosher and you're trying to make sure that I do keep kosher. It's like we're on the same team. What our constituents and what the client wants is two things. They want good food. That's kosher. I'm responsible for the good food and the execution. You're responsible for kosher. We're a team. We're on the same page. So I need to make sure the food is good. You need to make sure it's kosher. So what, let, let's work together on this. And it, it sounds like such a simple statement, but it, it's, it's really, for me, it was a very much a paradigm shift. It was like, you know, they're not looking to mess up the kosher system. They don't know necessarily. They don't have the same level of training. They don't have the same level of background and understanding and exposure, but they want to do it right. And the same way, if, you're, if you would happen to notice that there is, you know, that the food that they're serving is spoiled, you would want to mention to them. Right. If they didn't realize it, it it's the same thing. We're on a team. We're in the same team. And it was very different when you're on the same team. You're not jumping on them. You're talking to them. Right. You know, I remember we had we had a situation um, where we had a mashkiach that was um, a mashkiach got into, you know, at one of these hotel events. He, they had, they got into a fight with one of the. One of the chefs. Basically, what happened was that the chef had been using the wrong. He had taken his own knife, which is a common issue. You know, he found his own knife, and that wasn't kosher and he was using it. Um, but I know that was, from
0: reading about chefs in in the yeah, world, yeah, like it's a big deal. You, ha- it's a very big deal. Your knife, you
1: very knife. Yeah, your knife is very very important. So, anyways, it, it was not malicious intent, but whatever it was. Anyways, so the mash- yeah, jumped on it. Oh, you can't use that knife. You know, and the person got very upset. They, they they really didn't have malicious intent. They just made a mistake. They didn't realize, you know, that's what they used to using. Um, anyway, so I was talking to guy afterwards and, and it, walking through sort of like a role play of how to do this, right? So I'd imagine the same scenario. It happens to be Bar HaShem. What they were cutting was like cucumbers and it was a clean knife. So it wasn't a major deal. But imagine the same thing. Instead of jumping on them, right, you find a knife that's kosher, right? And you bring it over to them and you say, the knife they are using, actually, we, didn't, Kasha, we do mind using this one instead. What do you think they're going to say? Sure, like, they're not going to fight with you, right? But once you make it into a personal thing, it's me against you, then, of course, you're not going to have any collaboration. They're going to hide everything from you. They're not going to tell you anything. Once they feel that you're, you're out for their good and you're trying to help them, you're trying to make their life easier, and you appreciate the fact that they don't have the background, they don't have the understanding, then, you know, it, it's, it just works a lot better.
0: Yeah, it sounds like that really was eye-opening for, for the whole way to yeah, approach, approach the job.
1: Honestly, I think that it's a balance. It's very, very hard. And this is something which is compounded in a small town where I, I had a, a situation where, where somebody at a restaurant a few years ago, he's, he's, he, you know, he's since moved on, but that restaurant is not around. But I remember he was he had a very hard time because I would come in on a regular day where everything was fine. We would sit down, sit down at a table, we talk, we'd talk, you would talk about his business, talk about this, talk about other things. And then sometimes after that, or before that, I would go into the kitchen and I would find something that was wrong. Again, no malicious intent, but something that was problematic. And I would call him out on him. Like, you can't do this. You know, this is, you know, protocol, you know, this is whatever. And he was, he would get so confused. He's looking at me, like, are you my friend or are you my enemy? Because it's right. one or the other. It's one or the other. So you know, the fact that he was Israeli made it a little bit more black and white. Right. Um, sure. You know, so you know, that's the the gray area doesn't quite exist quite as much. So it was, it, and it was a hard, it was hard, and it's, not, and then a lot of times that's that's in small town kashrus, that's a, that's a very that's that's a tightrope that anyone who's who is involved with small town kashrus has to deal with because you're on one hand you're eating by the restaurants and. You could be going to their simchrist. You could be meeting them around. And at the same time, you need to call them out on something. So that balance of being able to do it in a way that, that it's not personal, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, if it's a major violation. It's different. But I'm talking about, you know, at a lower level, which is the vast majority of the violations that we deal with and, you know, no malicious intent.
0: And no major harm.
1: And no major harm,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Do you ever have to deal with owners that have malicious intent? <laughs>
1: You mean like a bakery that opened on Pesach?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we've had that here in Baltimore, Baruch Hashem, not recently, but... Yeah, no, uh, we did have that
1: a while back. Um, you know, we had a bakery that opened on Pesach. Um, like, just opened. I mean, not even hiding it. Like, they just... We had spoken before Pesach, and, you know, they've been around for many years, they've been closed, and we had spoken about it many times, and they always complained about it. It was, you know, Jewish-owned bakery. Not religious, mm-hmm. obviously. And um, one year they just decided, you know, enough is enough. And we're opening on Pesach. So when I called them after Pesach, the first thing they said is, oh, we were expecting your call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, So obviously, we uh, unfortunately had to remove the Hashkacha there. But there again, I, I, I have a, a very, on a personal note, I have a good relationship with them. I still do. Still do. Yeah, even now. Mm-hmm. Even after we pulled the and they lost an enormous amount of business and so on. It's, it's cause it because really from my end it was never personal. Um, yes, they did something wrong. They did something which was very wrong, and yes, we had to pull the hashgacha. Unfortunately, you know, I'm. It's not. They're not. You know, obviously, they don't necessarily have to be your best friend. But there's nothing wrong with, you know, maintaining a cordial relationship with these people. And when they realize that there's really nothing personal, and it's just you need to maintain your standards, then you know, it's something that people could appreciate. All right, I see that. It's not an ego war.
0: One of the other roles you've mentioned that I uh, see so you even have two two email addresses is the the Beyond Houston Kosher. You're also involved in something called the Kosher Institute of America, right? Correct. Yeah. A, <clears throat> a little bit about that before we
1: close. Um, so Kosher Institute of America is an independent organization. And that's not not related to Houston Katsris. But it's so originally the way it started a few years ago, I created a course for home kitchen environment. So people that want to start keeping kosher at home or people want to refresh their skills. So basically it goes through everything from, you know, Bishalakom, Pasakom, and Paso and mm-hmm. and everything like that with, you know, different kinds of diagrams and so on and so forth. And they get a certificate when they take the course. So that, that's, that was the original project.
0: That was just an educational project. An
1: educational project. It's an online course. People take it whenever they want. And, you know, a little while, about a year after I created that, uh, Rabbi Fishman, someone Fishman reached out to me and asked me if I would create a unified mashkiah course, universal of course. And what that means is like this. Right now, with, with in general, and obviously painting in broad strokes, but, you know, with many Ashkakhas, you don't necessarily have much. It's always very difficult. Most places have a very, very difficult time finding food service Meshkiah. We can't really pay them properly. And, you know, and it's, it's just very difficult. So when you find people, very often, they don't necessarily have the training. And what are you going to do? You know, even if you have a training once a year or twice a year, like coming and going constantly, constantly going, coming, going, coming, going. So you need a muskia, what are you going to tell them? You know, yeah, we have, you know, it's, we just finished our training course. So if you wait another 11 months, we'll train you. And then, uh, you know, then you'll start up, you know, and many places didn't even have the resources to even have a muskia course. And if they had a moshiach course, it was sort of whatever came to mind at the time, you know. So some ashkafas just whatever
0: had, issues were very present,
1: right? So some has had like super organized moshiach courses. I know Star-K has a phenomenal course. TOR has has a great course. And other ashkafas also, but there is so basically there was a, there was a need that's been talked about for many many years of creating a universal moshiach, acro course. ACCO stands for Association of Conscious Organizations, which is the umbrella organization for all the mainstream organizations um in the united states and beyond so basically the idea was to create a universal or a course that everyone every muscular in every organization should be able to take um so it took about a year and basically what we did what we have right now is like this um there is a big of fundamental course which is about about eight hours if you go straight but it usually takes a little bit longer than that and what it does is it really goes through everything everything every single thing that a mashiach needs to know with the background and going through videos and demonstrations and you know all different kinds of of resources and stuff like that now in addition to that we also set up a so every every hashgacha so now we have about 30 Hashgachas that are that are using it we have hundreds and hundreds of mashiach that have graduated so the way the way it's set up in a nutshell is that every hashgacha has their own dedicated course so besides for having the fundamental of the course which is the same for every organization and the, they also have incorporated into the course I set up a designated course for each Ashgafa so you have let's say for example we have South Africa, we have Australia, we have London, Montreal, you know, Huff OK, MK and oh, many Ashgafas throughout the throughout the country CRC and Chicago um, that are using it and they have a dedicated course specifically for them. Based on
0: their various standards? Based on their
1: various standards. We have basically a checklist that they go through, you know, what's your shita about things that are questionable items, like about pilot lights, about convection ovens, about certain things that are questionable items. And those policies are incorporated into their course, and they have their own dashboard, and they're able to track their muskia and everything like that. So, and then when the muskia passes, they get actually, they get a photo ID. It expires, it lasts for three years. And the photo ID with their name and their haskaka and, you know, their food service muskia. And Bar Hashem, I think it's it's uh, transformed. You know, with,
0: it sounds like a really great public service.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, and there's a, also a database, a central database where people could search the status of a Um and it just allows mashgiachim also to transfer from one organization to another. It gives it proper training. You know that every mashgiach that's coming in to work for you took a certain level of has a certain level of training, mm-hmm. and the level of harm. I mean, it's uh, it's been yeah, a wonderful experience. There's one more course I just mentioned that's for the personnel in kosher kitchens.
0: Meaning not the Jewish mashkichim, but the... Sure,
1: a much, much shorter course for them to have a little bit of an idea of what's going on. That's a
0: separate... That's a separate course. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I see that through your projects and through this initiative, um, you've managed to really be very connected with the world of kashris at large. I know everybody has different personalities, but like you seem to somehow have be at very much at the forefront of kashris organizations altogether. I think you were you you were even at the recent ACO meeting, is that correct?
1: Professor right, I mean it's uh, it's been one of the five minutes mean, I think like I mentioned earlier. I think the collaboration um both directions amongst all the Hashkafas, you know, when we mm-hmm. were sitting, we just had this what you mentioned, this um so there's this this ACCO Association of Cashless Organization, it's umbrella organizations and it's an executive committee um with, you know with, with sort of leads the organization. So I recently joined that committee. We just had a we just had a meeting, a three day, you know, whatever two day meet conference, um, you know, where we spent like seven to ten hours, you know, just like sitting and going through a lot of different cashless issues. And it was amazing. We're sitting around the table and you know, we have the Star-K, the OU, the Huff-K, MKcor, the sakho um, you know, CRC Chicago, you know, OK, we have, you know, and, you know, I was in H-K, you know, and... Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sorry, my position is sort of representing the smaller bottom, on um, uh-huh. both of these, are, these are the bigger bottom, and H-K is, you know, the small players. So what was amazing, you see around the table, is you have people that are leaders in their field, I'm talking about the big office primarily
0: mm-hmm.
1: and who are doing this in many years. And like I mentioned before, they're competitors. They're competitors. Right. There's money to be made in passwords, right? But the collaboration and the sense of unity was unreal. Sitting around the table, we're sitting and talking for hours and hours and hours and very focused conversation, extremely focused. And it wasn't like just like sitting and smoothing and like really discussing major issues and coming to real resolutions. And the collaboration and the sense of admiration and appreciation for competing organizations was really remarkable.
0: That's really beautiful.
1: I think that if people would, you know, when people see like, you know, people talk sometimes about, you know, politics between organizations, I think if people would have been a fly on the wall in, in you know, these meetings, I think they would have a new appreciation that we're really all on the same page, really all here to provide kosher food for our israel and you know, obviously, everyone has their own interests in mind as well, but that's that's really superseded by the needs of the general cloud.
0: Amazing! Okay. Thank you very much. This has been a really enthralling interview.
1: Thank you. So you continue your avodas kiddush, and uh,
0: and likewise
1: finding many many new enthralling interviews, and <laughs> I'm looking forward to the uh, to see the upcoming topics.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Kosher Conversation. Once again, your comments and questions can be called in to our new hotline at 410-816-9509 or, as always, emailed to podcast at star-k.org. Until next time, this is your host, Hanania Jacobson, signing off.